Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2019, and it was early in the year, January or February, if I recall. It would be my first speaking opportunity as a bona fide entrepreneur. Yes, I was still in my job at AT AT&T, but I had launched No Silos Communications, LLC. Of course, that's the holding company for the Culture Soup podcast the 30minutementor.com, and of course my personal brand for any business that I do as a speaker, as an author, and eventually, at some point, an executive and business coach. I was excited to take the stage at the Powher Conference. It's a one-day summit put on by corporate influencer, The Corporate T. You probably have seen her on LinkedIn or Instagram. She has her own blog as well. Her name is Tony Howard Lowe. Shout out to the corporate T for the invitation. This day-long summit was especially for women of color who are trying to secure their seat at the table. In fact, this year's theme was, no thanks, we'll build our own. As I prepared to take the stage, I was surprised and overjoyed to find that there was a young woman planted in the summit just for me by my publicist to take pictures while I was on stage. I was so excited. She came all the way from Florida. But at some point, we got separated, and she had to sit near the back of the room when it was time for me to take the stage. I was so in my zone before taking the steps up to the stage, thinking about my notes, thinking about what I might say, that I didn't look around to see who was sitting beside me. To my left was an empty chair. That's where I put my bag, my coat. Nobody was there. To my right was a young woman who's pretty engaged in her own smart device. But then they call my name. I put my things down and I headed up the steps. But before I did, a young woman tapped me on the shoulder and asked, would you like for me to take pictures of you while you're speaking? I said, absolutely, how nice of you. It's a beautiful woman in a turquoise dress and she had the best smile and so warm. And I thanked her, but I didn't know her name. I took the stage. There were three of us on stage. Shantae Lewis, an image consultant, HR professional, and of course, she has her own styling services company. And Pollyanna Reed, you may know her as a senior contributor at Forbes, and she's somewhat of a self-made six-figure entrepreneur and ghostwriter. It was a really rich conversation. But when it was over, it was time to come down the steps 
and find the woman in the turquoise dress and thank her for taking pictures. Sight unseen, I didn't care what they looked like. The gesture alone was awesome. I would find out from this woman that her name was Jacqueline Twilly. Jacqueline and I, no doubt, became fast friends, connected on LinkedIn and Instagram, supporting each other in everything that we do and post, because as it turns out, we play in the same sandbox. But she has carved out a very specific area that's so important at this point, and that's pay equality for women without further ado. I want to introduce to some and reintroduce to others Jacqueline Twilly, equal pay advocate, best-selling author, and negotiation strategist. Hey Jacqueline, how are you doing? Hello El Michelle, thanks for having me. Absolutely, you know what guys, I gotta tell you about Jacqueline. She's so sweet, the way I met her, we were at the Powher Conference in Dallas, and there was a sweet lady next to me. When I was ready to go on stage, she offered to take my pictures while I was on stage. And this is how I met Jacqueline before I even knew she was Jacqueline. She's one of the keynotes at the same conference, and she extended herself in that way. And you know, when, when people do things like that, you don't forget. Jacqueline, I just think you're awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, I think you're awesome, too. And before we get into it, I just have to say, everyone already knows this because you're the host of this podcast, but you totally rocked it out at that conference. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You know what? I don't even know that we talked about it on this podcast. So this would be the first time we ever talked about it. I did okay. share your beautiful pictures on social media, <laughs> which was awesome. But what do you think, Jacqueline? What do you say we have a culture soup moment? You know, it depends. I'm from South Louisiana, so. Okay. <laughs> so when I Is it a gumbo moment? Yeah, that is, it's definitely <laughs> a gumbo moment. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, but all I hear in you. all, you know, I get excited. I'm very animated. So I get excited about culture soup. And depending on the day, I can be like a super 10 or I can be like yeah. 7.9. <laughs> I hear you. Well, you know what? If anything, it's culture soup is gumbo. So let's go, girl. <laughs> yes. All right, great. So, you know what? I was combing the feeds today, and I saw news where Procter & Gamble is giving money towards the U.S. women's soccer team addressing the pay gap. That was, like, amazing. Yes. It is so amazing that a company is putting their money where their mouth is because P&G has so many products targeted towards women. And so to see them actually not just running an ad campaign, but saying here is, I think, over half a million dollars. Yeah. That's awesome. Amazing. And we're seeing more and more brands kind of step up into the cause marketing fray and a little bit step into activism. But you know what? You're in the trenches every day. Tell everybody what you do. So... I'm on a mission to eliminate the gender wage gap. That, that is my purpose in life. And I do that in two ways. I teach women to negotiate so that they don't leave money on the table. And through my company, Zero Gap, we curate leadership learning experiences because less than 8% of women in Fortune 500 companies are CEOs. Still more CEOs named John than there are total women combined. So in order for us to close the gap on so many levels, we do have to move that leadership gap as well. Absolutely. So that's what I do. 
So going back to your original question about equal pay, the way I got into this work, when I found out about the wage gap, probably a little after 2010-ish, I didn't believe it. And so here I am, you know, young professional in a big city, making really good money. And I'm like, oh, no, I have an MBA. That doesn't apply to me. But something kept tinkering with me. Mm -hmm. So the more I started digging into it, I realized, whoa, you know, I am a, a victim of this massive problem. And then I realized it wasn't just one cause. There are so many causes to the wage gap and there are so many solutions to it. So in that moment, I decided I was going to do something about it. And at the moment, what I could do was I could teach women to negotiate because out of all of the factors, so many are outside of an individual's con control. But one thing we can't control is not leaving money on the table. Right. Absolutely. So what do you think? Can the sports world really impact what happens in the workplace? Does it all matter? Well, I think it does in a couple of ways. So in terms of, you know, the average woman at work, when we look at the wage gap where it spans from women who are housekeepers to women who are lawyers, you think on the surface sports has nothing to do with that. But what it does is it raises the consciousness and the awareness. So the more that people talk about this, even with actresses who talk about the wage gap, the more it's talked about, it starts to turn some light bulbs on. So you might not see an immediate impact in your life, like P&G's giving the women's soccer team a half million dollars. Right? You're not going to see that. <laughs> but what it does is it turns on a switch. And that's how this type of massive problem gets solved by one person at a time raising their consciousness and saying, okay, well, we might not have a half a million dollars in our company, but what can we do to to take care of the women who work in our company to make sure they're being paid equal? So I think, it, I think this is great, the attention that it's getting. I love it because it all makes a difference. So does it make your job easier? In some ways it does, and in some ways it doesn't. Okay. So it depends on who I'm talking to because, um, you know, I will tell you, if I'm working with a company, there's a company, I, I was so proud of them. I met them last year. And so what they did was the vice president of the company went back and did an audit. Mm -hmm. And what he realized was 90% of the women were not at parity compared to the men for the same work. Mm -hmm. And so this is a company in a male dominated industry. So a year later, when I met with them again, they had brought all of those women up to parity. What they didn't do is they couldn't back pay them because there just wasn't the money, but they started from where they were and they made it right going forward. So that's one example of how this awareness definitely helps my work because companies can seek me out and I can help them come up with a plan to move forward. Now, on the other end, you and I, we both like social media. The part that's a little bit frustrating and stressful is the troll part of it. Mm -hmm. When people come without the facts and they say, well, men are better than women, men are smarter than women Whoa. that's the part where I really where I, it makes it more challenging for me to do my work one I'm not going to convince those people to pay women equally but I do feel some obligation to provide some type of education mm -hmm. whether it's the smallest seed because there are women working for these people who have these thoughts right. so it's a two-edged um two-edged lever with that one And you and I, we play in the same sandbox a lot because 
I'm in the business of making sure women, uh, women of color, underrepresented groups are learning how to be those leaders and crash into the C-suite. And one part of that is this pay gap thing that has to be addressed. Wouldn't you say it's layered though? Um, I've seen stats where uh, women of color, and when you start to break down that segment, that black women are kind of at the bottom rung and then you have some other women of color that are still underpaid, uh, but maybe make a little bit more, but everybody is paid less than the white male. Is that correct? That's correct. So what you see when you look at the data, Asian American women earn about 90 cents on a dollar compared to their non-Hispanic white male counterparts. And then white women somewhere around 79, 80 cents on the dollar. Then you go to black women who are 64 cents on a dollar. And then we have Native American and Alaskan Hawaiian wow. women who are making somewhere around 52 cents on a dollar. And, and I think the last time I checked, uh, Latino women were somewhere around 56, 58%. Wow. So it's, it's massive. And when you look at the nuances that are that are complicating this issue for women is definitely something we have to talk about because when you look at diversity and inclusion and recruitment into a company and recruiting for a quote-unquote culture, what you'll see is people want to hire people who look like them. Right. And especially in the tech and one of the things that we see is people hire from their network. So if their network looks a certain way, that's definitely uh, making the wage gap wider because we're just excluding so many talented people from these opportunities to earn, you know, livable wages and not just livable wages, but the best wages. Right. So you're probably very familiar with the catalyst study that talked about the emotional tax, you know, that women of color feel when they're going to work, just doing their jobs and coming home, let alone, you know, trying to push the envelope and run to the risk. Um, in fact, they called us double outsiders. Do you believe that this, this power structure that everybody has bought into has um, caused this pay gap? I don't think that's what caused the pay gap. Um, when we look at the research, now they could be because there's a certain percentage of the wage gap that is unexplained. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when going specifically to that Catalyst report, one of the things that it, it doesn't say explicitly is that Women of color were not allowed to work. Women weren't allowed to work in the United States for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you see that women started coming into work and then um, African-American women started to come into the corporate type of work environment, it was only a, a select few who were allowed in there. And so I think that was a very big perpetuator mm. of the wage gap. You know, that's a, that's a big impetus, like a rolling snowball. And then when you think about certain categories of women um, and the stereotypes associated with it, those stereotypes have played in large part due to pop culture, media, right. sport, television. Um, it's played an impact into what women think that they can be. Mm -hmm. And so that's why representation matters, even when we look at movie screens, because if you can't see it, it's really hard to think that you can be it in terms of your earning potential. Yeah. So it sounds like it's almost like a race. And women were late to the starting blocks in many of these 
roles, let alone the workplace completely. And then some of the women who may be women of color started out in roles, you know, even later than that. So we're playing catch up. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, but anytime I see an article published that says first woman of color to do this mm. or first woman period to do that, that is a, a stark reminder of how far yet we have to go. Mm -hmm. We're on we're knocking on the steps of twenty twenty right. and and twenty twenty we're every day it's a another he, she's the first woman right. she's the first woman of color and so until we get to the point where those stories are not as popular and we move past that that lets you know how much work we have to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well Jacqueline tell us something about yourself you mentioned that you had a corporate job and you were making good money and at some point you saw what's going on so what happened between then and now to bring you to here so I was on a spiritual journey for several years, three years, and just really trying to figure out what my purpose was in life. And once I had that moment and that light bulb switched, um, I remember exactly I was in Atlanta, which is where I used to reside. I'm in Dallas, Texas now. But I was standing in a room of 100 women getting ready to teach them how to negotiate. And if you've ever put on an event, you know how hard it is to get butts in seats when you're not giving away free stuff and it's no right. celebrity. So we kept upping, leading up to the event, we kept upping the RSVP and changing the space to accommodate more and more people. And when actually 100 people showed up in the room, I've never been nervous. I love speaking. I, I used to tell people I'm more comfortable speaking to a large crowd than I am to three or four people. Now I'm, I'm much better, but that night I was so nervous and I'm like, why am I nervous about a topic I'm passionate about? I know what I'm talking about and I love groups of people. And it was in that moment where it was like, oh, the thing that I've been searching for, this, this is, is it. it. So with some planning, of course, you know, I transitioned at the time I was working at the Center for Disease Control and Global Health. So I transitioned from that role, moving over to the company full time. And it's been what that was 2015, I think 2015. Mm -hmm. So it has been four years since I left. And, you know, it's been an awesome journey to do this work because at the Center for Disease Control, I felt like I was doing life-saving work. And now being on a different scale of impacting lives and the earning potential of women is just equally as rewarding. I love it. And it's such good work, Jacqueline. You have a book coming out, right? Yes. Tell us about it. So this my second book, so the first book um, debuted as a bestseller, which was awesome. This next book is called oh, Don't Leave Money on the Table. It's negotiation strategies for women. And it's actually being released on Black Women's Equal Pay Day. Wow. So oh, I selected that date um, very symbolically and very intentionally because August 22nd, 2019 is the day in which Black women have to work to earn what their non-Hispanic white male counter parts earned all of 2018. Wow. So they're working all the way into the year. Yeah. So when we talk, talk about the wage gap, that's what, when you get to those equal paydays and they get further and further into the year, you're like, oh, wow, this is a massive problem. So that's why I picked 
that date for the book release. But in the book, I go through the strategies that I have taught women and that have been very successful in helping a lot of women reach a six-figure club. It's not all about um, saying, I want more, and definitely not about pounding your fist on the table. It's about going in with the strategy, talking about the value you add to an organization. And one thing I find that it's a common thread with women all around the country is that women tend to downplay, not every woman, but in general, downplay their accomplishments. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, oh, you don't have to thank me for that. Mm -hmm. That was easy. Mm -hmm. Oh, no big deal. And so we tackle that in the book, as well as, you know, some common phrases teaching women how to present open-ended questions in their conversations so that they can get as much information as possible to make a well-informed decision. That's awesome. There are a lot of things that we do as women that hold us back, especially in the workplace. In in conversations, um, I know as a former journalist and just as a media trainer, one thing that women tend to do is we nod while the other person is talking (laughs) and we may inadvertently (laughs) affirm something that's negative. Have you seen that? All the time. (laughs) And like you said, it's very, um, very, something that's very passive and body language matters, Mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons why I like that a lot of negotiations do happen over email because for women that tend to have that body language, that nodding behavior, you don't see that when you're just corresponding through written format or via phone, but right. my favorite way to negotiate is in person. But yeah, there that's definitely one of those things that can be detrimental to a woman negotiating if she's nodding and she doesn't even realize right. it. Right. I have a friend, Valerie Burton. She's on like book number 12. I don't know. You probably know her name, but she wrote a of book. Of course. I have several of her yes, books. Yes. Yes. Valerie's a dear friend of mine. Known each other for 25 years, but she wrote a book called Successful Women Speak Differently. And one of the points that she makes there is about even our vocal intonation. When we speak on the upswing, she calls it upspeak, where it sounds like we're asking questions when we speak. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this as a way that undermines women in the workplace? Absolutely. So in my trainings on negotiation, I use that as an example when a woman isn't prepared to discuss a number or she is prepared, but she isn't comfortable. If you've never said $120,000 before in terms of your salary Mm -hmm. expectations or a business deal, maybe you're saying a quarter of a million dollars and you've never used those numbers before in a conversation, you think you sound one way, but in actuality, you sound like this $120,000. Yeah. And I, so what I do is I tell women, use your cell phone, practice what you want to say aloud, mm-hmm. using your cell phone, and then listen to it back. Mm-hmm. Because once you are aware of how you sound, then you can make those adjustments. Because if you don't sound confident to the other person, they're not going to take you seriously. And in terms of you getting what you want, you lessen your chances. Absolutely. You know, I speak to women all the time about knowing your value. And that's intrinsic mm-hmm. as much as it is knowing your monetary value. I challenge a lot of my clients to go find out what their market value is. Um, a mentor of mine yeah. challenged me at that, at the Fortune 9 that I came from. And my life hasn't been the same. <laughs> uh, talk to me about 
doing that homework and how it can empower you to know your value. And when it's time to get to the table and somebody asked, which somebody asked me just recently, what do you need? And I was able to spit it out. Yeah, that that's so important. Most people can't spit out exactly what they need. 80% of the negotiation is the preparation. So I use a five-part framework, and it's an acronym. It's called LATTE. And the very first step is look at the details. So you definitely want to go armed with the market rate. What I run into a lot when I'm at conferences giving a talk, women will come up to me afterwards and say, well, this is how much I need to pay my bills. Well, your salary isn't based on... Right your personal needs it's based on the market rate Mm -hmm. so it's definitely an educational process especially when i see women move from a city like new york and they move somewhere south like atlanta or dallas and their salary is different even within the same company because of the market rate change cost of living so Mm -hmm. right cost of living and then also you know you have some people who can move to Nebraska and make more than they can in a major city, and it's because the talent pool isn't there. If a company is there and they need a certain skill set, then they pay more. So it's very important to do the market research, but I caution people, don't just stop online. Yes. I love the online calculators, right? The salary.com, glassdoor.com, Payscale, and I think LinkedIn Salary, some of my favorite ones, but that we don't know who's presenting that data okay right and it's already established women earn less so what i tell people to do is you want to tap into your professional association and it's so critical to be in a professional association and you can go speak to somebody named john as i said earlier there are more (laughs) than there are total number of women Uh ceos so you want to find a John and go to John and say, John, you know, I trust your your opinion or I respect you for X, Y, Z reasons. I'm doing a little bit of research, just considering my options in the workforce. What do you think about this salary for my skill set for this title? And so what happens is you can't just roll up on somebody and say how much you make because that's not going to work. But when you come to someone and you ask them for their opinion and their advice, they're more likely to say, well, you know what, let me ask around and I'll get back with you and I'll tell you what the number is. And so when you have that data on top of the data that you found online, then you have a better idea of what the market rate is. And now you're not just shooting darts in the air in terms of speaking of yourself. Absolutely. And how important is it to every once in a while, get out there, even if you're happy with your position and interview and see what you can get. Yeah, it is. Um, just maybe two hours ago, I spoke with someone and she had been at her company for nine years. And when she told me that I instantly knew mm-hmm. She was hired at a time where the the economy was just coming back, yeah. right? So I knew for a fact she was underpaid before she gave me additional details because that is a factor in when people are hiring, when the economy is low, salaries are different. Right. So um, I just got a text back from her that she had a conversation with someone and she's being significantly underpaid compared to people who are coming in now. Right. But that's because the economy is different. That That doesn't mean that they didn't like her right. or they're, that they were discriminating against her. So I had to explain that as well. But it is important for you to pay attention to the economy and the market factors 
And so that you're aware of, okay, things have been good for quite a while. I was probably hired at a time where salaries, starting salaries were lower. It's probably time to revisit that conversation. And one thing that men do so well, so, so well, that I wish women would take a note from this page, men often, very casually, will tell their supervisor when they get a compliment, okay, that's great. I'll expect to see that in my next bonus. Yes. Okay. Thank you for recognizing that. Oh, well, when bonus time comes around, I want that same appreciation. Mm -hmm. And so it's very casual. It's not a formal sit down, 10 point PowerPoint deck. It is just something in passing, but it's planting the seed. And so because men say this so often, when it is time for that fiscal year budget to be planned, that supervisor can say, okay, you know what, we need to put a little extra in this bucket because such and such is expecting based on their performance. Right based on the value they add. And so it definitely needs to go back to the value you're adding to the organization. Absolutely. What does this do for your mindset? Because we're talking dollars and cents here, but at the end of the day, with the strategies that you're arming women with, how does it help us to go into the workplace and stand taller in our own skin? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of Carol Dweck. And Carol talks about the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And she gets down into all of the science of it. But what it does is when you switch your thinking about your relationship with earning money, not just money in general, but how you earn money, you are able to perform at a different level. Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing is you're telling yourself, you're, you're unlocking some some mental roadblocks, mm -hmm. right? So when you have challenges, you go into those challenges even more confidently, like, oh, oh yeah, this is this is tough. This is going to be hard, but I can do right. it. I can find a solution. I have the right team in place where we will find a solution to make this happen. Exactly, exactly. Jacqueline, where can everybody find you online? So my favorite place to hang out online is LinkedIn. Woo! So I like LinkedIn too. Yes. <laughs> so um, you can me there but I'm everywhere my name is Jacqueline Twilly and my company is zerogap.co awesome awesome and when is your book come out when can we get the book yes yeah, so you can pre-order the book now on my website or you can get it August 22nd everywhere books are sold you know what that's a special date for me that's when my little bambino was born Joni's six years old oh. she's a 2012 baby and she is the very first gen the first um toddlers of Gen Z. So she, wow. I use her um, story in a lot of my speeches because 2012 changed a lot of things for a lot of people. Most diverse group out well, there. Well, happy early birthdays. Happy early birthdays of June. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to get her the book and start reading it to her. <laughs> so she'll be ready. <laughs> well, fun story is I have a lot of these and nephews, my two-year-old niece, um, she was riding on the riding lawnmower with her grandpa, and he said, oh, you worked so well today, I'm going to give you a popsicle, and of course she didn't do anything, she just sat there for maybe five minutes, uh -huh. and I said, no, I said, go in there and tell Papa you need a dollar, because you don't leave money on the table, <laughs> and everybody, we were on FaceTime, everybody just erupted in laughter, but I wanted to plant that seed early, yes. that I know it's it, for your time today. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I love it when I see sisters just soldiering on for the cause. 
Well, thank you. And thank you for your work as well. I see you out there and I'm so inspired by you. And like I said, I'm so glad my first encounter with, with you was you rocking the stage. You were dropping gems left and right. And so if for those of you who are out there, if you have the opportunity, definitely want to be in the audience or bringing Elle Michelle to your company because you will not be disappointed. Y'all will leave with a notebook full of notes. <laughs> thank you so much, Jacqueline. Everybody, Jacqueline yeah. Toilet. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. What an awesome conversation with Jacqueline Twilly. Ladies, go out there. Get your coins, okay? Secure the bag. Secure yourself and secure the bag. All right. What's coming up? You know what? I want to shout out the Dallas Mavericks CEO, Sint Marshall, first female CEO in the NBA, and her VP of Communications, Erin Feingold, for inviting me out to speak to the employees of the Dallas Mavericks for a summer speaker series. It kicks off Wednesday, the 24th at Mavericks headquarters. It's a private event, y'all, but I got to tell you about it. I'm very excited. I'll be sitting with the network of Black employees with the Dallas Mavericks and the rest of the ERGs or employee resource groups and talking about Authenticity 101, how to do you. Yeah, that's so important, y'all. You hear me talking about authenticity all the time. Style flexing, shout out to Trudy Bourgeois. Yeah, I have some other things coming up. If you have not registered for the free webinar, especially for your entrepreneurs and small business owners or even corporate types that want to get your side hustle on. Yeah, I'll be talking about how to get more clients fast. You want to register for this webinar. It's really important because it's based on a love letter that I wrote to my sisters, especially black women who are opening businesses more than any other group and at a rapid, rapid pace. I wrote it for Black Enterprise. Check it out. There's a link to register at the 30minutementor.com or you can find it on the landing page of lmichellesmith.com. It talks about how to grow your customer base. Some very basic things, but you'd be surprised at how many people skip it. The other thing is that our Lunch and Learn um, Coach and Go is still open. Very limited seating. Check it out on Eventbrite. Or go to lmichellesmith.com. It's going to be on the homepage. Click on the picture and make sure you get your tickets. All right, everybody. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at theculturesoup, and on Facebook at the Culture Soup Podcast. See you next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communication.